Welcome back to year two of the Game Preview Podcast. Ethan Greenberg on the East Coast, Cynthia Freeland, as always, on the West Coast. It's great to see you again. We're back in business. Well, we're going to have just one week without the background because I moved. So you got to get this the home studio set up. But, you know, we're, we're, we're working on it. But I'm, I'm, okay. I'm a slow mover. It looks mover. good. It looks good. I still and, got a green know, shirt on, though, because I, I couldn't be without <laughs> the green. Yeah, and we need we need like what I liked last year in your set was like all the little like Jets tchotchkes in the back. So I'm looking forward to see what your new set looks like. Personally, they're in a box under a box, and it's just a lot of boxes. But will you be able to find the box? That's oh, the I know real where question. they are. I just got okay. the one on top's a little heavier, so I just got to like take the stuff <laughs> out of that one first. You know. Also, like, isn't this a stressful, extra stressful because it's the beginning of the season, like in terms of your job? And this is like not the ideal time for you to move, I would imagine. Yeah, no, it's definitely not the ideal time to move, but <laughs> I mean, I, it is what it is, right? You gotta, you gotta, do, gotta do it when it's time. Yeah, that's fair. Well, before we get into Jets Ravens Sunday, one o'clock, MetLife Stadium, Week One. I'm just curious. Before you know, a little lighthearted. How was your off season? Did you travel anywhere fun? Did you cook anything fun? Because we we know if you listen to the podcast last year. You know that Cynthia loves to cook. If you're just joining us now, you know that Cynthia loves to cook. So I have to know, like, what was your off-season like? So I went to Hawaii for the first time ever, which, I mean, okay. I live on the West Coast. So, I like, everyone's surprised. It's a lot easier to get here than when you live on the East Coast. So went there for the first time. Actually learned how to cook some really local fare in Hawaii. So lots of fun new ways to prepare fish. I'm really excited to bring them back. We'll see here if I can recreate it here in Los Angeles, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Did you go to a luau when you were in Hawaii? I did go to a luau. It was, it was wow. a lot of fun. Hawaii is amazing. Like, and you can get some cheap flights there. You just have to like be able to go, yeah. you know, when on our off season, we can go on like a Tuesday. It's way better. <laughs> That's true. I, I, you know, funny enough, I also went to Hawaii, did a little island hopping. You know, I also went to a luau. There was no fire though. I was, you know, I learned that that's not at every luau. So I was a little upset about that. But it was still a great time. Tried a lot of things that I didn't know existed. And, mm -hmm. like, I've heard a lot of fish that I didn't know existed, and I like fish. So I, I thought know. that was awesome. I know. It's crazy. No, it was it was fun. It was a really good experience. And then, you know, obviously moving is a lot. So I had to, like, gear up to move and then move. And, you know, the whole, the whole moving thing is just a lot. All right. It, it definitely is. I think I have to move in like February, March. So luckily that's after the season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's better. It's better. I'd like we to say need to tell everyone, wait, we're what? bearing the lead here. Our listeners okay. need to know we met each other in real life. Oh yeah, we did. We, we did. and EA exists. <laughs> Those are the two things. EA that I does exist. Yeah. Yes. We yeah. 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 Like real life. We became friends IRL. It was fantastic at the combine. It was great because, you know, obviously we met during COVID time, so we didn't meet in person right. first. So it was that was like the highlight of my offseason. How am I how it, am I not talking about it till now? <laughs> it was also the highlight of my offseason, too, Cynthia. It was great. You know, the combine just brings people together. Great. You know, and so now that I feel like, you know, I feel like this is going to take this podcast to the next level. We've established obviously. the virtual chemistry, then the in real life we met. Now we're just we're ready to go. So with that. Let's just dive into it. Jets, Ravens, Sunday, 1 o'clock, week one. Obviously, this Jets team, Cynthia, is so different than when we last spoke virtually. In real life, it was like, a, you know, it's kind of different. But in virtual land, it is totally different from week 18. That still sounds weird to say at Buffalo. And let's just dive into our first quarter here. Let's start under center, specifically with the Jets, because Robert Sala announced today 
Joe Flacco, he's going to be the guy for at least the first three games. So that means Joe Flacco, who was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, will then now face his former team as starter for the Jets. So there's been 12 quarterbacks in NFL history, that includes the playoffs, that went against their team that they had previously started and won a Super Bowl with. So obviously Tom Brady was the most recent one to do that last week, last week, last year in week four against the New England Patriots. And by the time, by the way, before that, the previous time was Peyton Manning, which he defend, he defeated Indianapolis uh, in 2014. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, look, it's a totally different team. It's, it's, it's kind of more of just like a fun stat. It's not largely predictive in any way. So it, I will say though, if you're looking all time, I have it right here for you. Quarterbacks against teams they started in one previous Super Bowl is all time. They're 15 and 12. So if you want to go by that stat, then yeah. the Jets should win. Yeah, I like that stat. And with Joe Flacco, he's 37 years old. He's the veteran presence of the group for such a young team. And we're going to talk about the youth of this Jets offense in a minute. But with Joe Flacco, Cynthia, like, what kind of presence do you think he adds, let's say, Sunday, you know, mid-game when, you know, you're figuring it out and you have a young team? Like, what kind of stability does Joe Flacco bring to this group? What Joe Flacco brings is the ability to read the defense, diagnose what's going to happen, and make the best adjustment to that defense. So especially defense he's so familiar with. It's not like it's a completely revamped strategy. Same head coach, obviously different defensive coordinator, but same head coach and same sort of overall philosophy. Obviously Mike McDonald coming over from Michigan back into the pros it, with the Ravens as a new defensive coordinator this season. But when you look to see what are the things ahead of the snap that needs to happen. So sometimes you'll see motion. Sometimes you'll see, you know, the quarterback adjusting some players ahead of the snap. That is a big advantage because being able to read the defense gives these younger or new, the new tool, the, the new look offensive players an opportunity to succeed because then they'll have a leg up on what are we going to see? Is it zone? Is it man? Are they disguising the coverage? What's the leverage? Those types of things. Okay, so on that, though, you mentioned Mike McDonald. Like uh, To me, this is like a big storyline because week one is so uncertain throughout the league as it is, and this is not the case for the Jets' defense, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but for the Jets' offense, like how do you go about trying to prepare for a defense where the personnel is rather similar, minus Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton in the secondary, but you just philosophically, you're not quite sure what kind of flavor – the Ravens' new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, is going to bring? Like, how, how difficult of a situation is that? Or tricky of a situation? It's pretty tricky, but you have to remember, the Ravens last season, they had a disproportionate number of injuries. So if you look at their defensive splits, they were super generous to the pass, and they were not so generous to the run. So when that you kind of have to throw that out, though, because Marlon Humphrey was injured. Like, a lot of their key players defending the pass were injured. So you got to kind of say, okay – What's the philosophy that they take? We know the Ravens like to blitz. That is something that been a hallmark of Ravens defense since like the beginning of time. You know that the Ravens are typically very good. You know, they have typically that one corner that drops back and the one that might be a little more forthright type of thing, like with the, you know, Marcus Peters, he's, he's tends to be a little bit jumpier. He'll come out and try to jump the route a bit. So you have some tendencies because a lot of these players who are returning are not new players. So they have like, you can, you can kind of map it out. So, realistically staying ahead of schedule is going to be what matters most here. So even if it doesn't look super sexy, a four or five yard run or short pass on first down, that is actually a very sexy way to earn wins. Cause 
converting on third down, staying on the field, earning first downs, earning touchdowns. Just don't let the Ravens start to get ahead of you. And then you come in these obvious passing downs and then that blitz and the way that they construct their blitz and the way that they back it up with those safeties, that could be more difficult. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And I will talk about this Jets run game right after we talk about Lamar Jackson, because how could you not? This is like the headline. Lamar Jackson misses the four games to end the season last year. Kind of had like a down year. I'm using air quotes if you're just listening to this because he's still a fantastic player. But that Ravens offense, a little bit different without Hollywood Brown, who's now in Arizona. Like what kind of impact do you think that has for the Ravens passing offense? Yeah, the Ravens passing offense to me has looks like a giant Mark Andrews. I mean, that's kind of what it was before, which obviously he's a tight end. So those aren't necessarily the deepest passes or the deepest routes taking the top off a of defense. I mean, I feel like that's one of those football terms that people say too often, but spreading the field vertically, it's going to be something that I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how it works out. I think that that is a big question mark for that team. Obviously Lamar Jackson himself Really wonderful, an escape threat, a big play rushing and passing threat on every down. But it seems a little bit less obvious who those passing receptions are going to go to. So when I, I this was a little interesting. I think that defending the run is going to probably be the main focus, especially for the defensive front, especially for what the Jets like to do, what Robert Sala has been very successful at doing. I, I'm I'm curious to see how they'll construct this pass offense, but look for Mark Andrews to obviously still be a big, a big problem I just want to bring this up it's a great point Mark Andrews Pro Bowl tight end because in your little stat pack that I so handy have here the numbers with Hollywood Brown in the lineup versus without him in the lineup are kind of staggering Lamar Jackson's completion set percentage with Hollywood Brown 65.8 without 55.8 touchdown to interception ratio 15 to 12 one to one his passer rating is 75 without Brown 88.7 with Brown what kind of impact do you think that will have, not only in this game without having Hollywood Brown, but really the course of the season? Like, is Devin Duvernay going to be Hollywood Brown, or you think it's just two totally separate guys? It's hard to give – see, maybe Hollywood Brown didn't, for fantasy managers, deliver to the place that people thought he might deliver. But the reality is, is his value is far more important to the team because he does draw coverages away, creating more space where the like Mark Andrews or those other passing levels are, which is why you see Lamar Jackson have such dramatic splits because the other guys have more space. So the space is going to be completely changed without that guy that can draw those coverages and be the catch and run threat, the deep threat, the, the speed threat, the outside, the perimeter. Like it's very, it's going to be interesting to see like, wide alignment versus slot, right? Lamar Jackson has some pretty distinct splits against when a guy lines up wide, what happens based on those routes versus a guy in the split in, in the slot. And when they're together, those become even more dramatic. So meaning the slot looks a lot worse without a good wide aligned guy. So the, the complementary factor of that is very important. And it's worth noting, I think we'll see it unfold in this game and it's actually a really nice way. And I know we'll talk about some of the fun defensive players for the Jets, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit later in the show. But I, I'm confused to see how it works. The problem with Lamar Jackson is that he he can still crush you for a 42-yard touchdown run kind of on any down. It could be like third and 17, and somehow that happens for him. So it's just the way he is. <laughs> right. And one more point on Lamar Jackson for 
I think, obviously, 2019 NFL MVP, 3,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, the only quarterback in NFL history to do that in a single season. And like I said earlier, and this is how we're going to wrap up the first quarter, I feel like most people think he had a down year, using air quotes again, because he was still very good for the Ravens. Just what kind of expectations do either you have in a projected stat line or just personally around Lamar Jackson in 2000? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fire it out. Right here. We got it. We got it right here. Okay. So, oh, yeah. So I think he has closer to 3,600 yards. Mm-hmm. Looks like 37, 36, 37, somewhere between there. 28 passing touchdowns. I have almost 850 rushing and five rushing touchdowns. So th- this is the median projection, right? So right. sometimes you don't necessarily need to throw for that many yards if they're playing with a lead, but it, this is this is the median projection. So a pretty a pretty significant stat line for him again this season, and in part because you know, look, we saw this drama with him around contract and this, and they didn't offer me that tweeting and like all this nightmare, but I I think that he does back it up. And I think that, you know, we'll see, we'll see opportunities for him. I don't think John Harbaugh is being like, you know, I don't like all this nonsense. Let's not give him the ball. You know, like that's just not how it works. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And for a frame of reference, last year in 12 games, Lamar Jackson threw for 2,882 passing yards, 16 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. That was a career high. So we'll see what happens starting Sunday, 1 o'clock. And that was the first quarter of the Game Preview Podcast. Moving into quarter number two, what's a great way to limit Lamar Jackson? What you said earlier, the non-sexy, sexy way of earning wins. You run the football, and the Jets have a pretty talented backfield. Michael Carter, we've talked about him a lot last year. He's developed into a what you would imagine be a better player in year two. Then you add Brees Hall in the second round. What kind of expectations do you have out of this backfield that is historically in San Francisco and now with the Jets by committee? You know, it's funny because I feel not not bad for Brees Hall, but like I feel like because of fantasy football, everyone has been like, he's gonna be to the moon. He's gonna run for. 2000, like he's going to be, he's basically turned into <laughs> Derrick Henry if you ask fantasy yeah. pundits, but you know, and this is fantasy week. So it's kind of all over it. So uh, look, he's young. He's was very, very good. My favorite stats on him is if you look back, obviously last year at Iowa state, he led the FBS in rush yards and in rushing touchdowns during his Iowa state career. Remember that's from 2019 to 2021. And my favorite one though, is he had 196 forced missed tackles. Those are super important. The most predictive metric that I have found and tracked for years is a rookie's ability running back to create yards after contact. If you're forcing guys to miss, you're not even slowing down as much as if you're being contacted and then having to keep going after being basically stopped, right? So forced missed tackles, PFF tracked those 196. That's an interesting one because you do not lose as much speed. So therefore you you earn more yards after contact. And I really really like that. And just so you have the numbers for your frame of reference, 50 rushing touchdowns and 39-41 in terms of rushing yards were his career totals, which led, which paced FBS. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, we're talking about the big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2020 and 2021. You gave me your favorite Brees Hall stat. Are you ready for mine? Yeah. Okay. Brees Hall left Iowa State with 11 school records and set an FBS record with a rushing touchdown in 24 consecutive games. I mean, the man finds the end zone, at least collegiately, 
we'll see in the pros. He had a very good training camp, but Cynthia, you like you've seen a ton of rookies, productive in college, struggle to make the transition early in the NFL based on position, based on reps. What do you imagine that transition to be like for Brees Hall? Because running back seems like it might be kind of smooth. Like if you look at Javante Williams last year. I mean, I think every situation is different, but I think he's set up to succeed. I love adding Lakin Tomlinson to mm. the lineup. That was a very nice, I, you know, I'm look obviously an unapologetic O-line lover. Like I talk about O-lines way too much, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, I think that they make a huge literal and figurative difference. So I, I think that he has as good of an opportunity as any, I think it'll, it'll be a matter of situation and, Again, it may not look sexy in the first few games. It may look like four or five yards on the first down. And then you'll start seeing that he's got to be able to see the defense to give give him a like give him a little bit of, of a moment to have preseason doesn't always count. Tra- training camp doesn't always count as these good reps for vision. You need to be able to see what you're looking at so then he can get away from it. And also Michael Carter. Last year, led the Jets in scrimmage yards, 964 total. He became the third rookie to lead the Jets in scrimmage yards since 1970. So he had a very impressive rookie year. I'm excited to see what the two of them, meaning Brees Hall and Michael Carter, not to mention Ty Johnson, had like a very significant role on the Jets last year. That just speaks to the newfound depth and also the offensive line. You brought it up. Lakin Tomlinson, Dwayne Brown on the left side. We've talked about this guy a lot last year, Elijah Vera Tucker, the Jets rookie left guard, now the second year right guard for the Jets. Just what do you what do you imagine this Jets offensive line to look like once they find the chemistry that they have along that front five? Like what's the ceiling there? I think again, it will help once there's only one quarterback playing, right? Like we just heard Joe Flacco for 3 games. So a changing quarterback does affect the O-line. So let's, let's, and and by the way, the start of the season is a doozy, you know, AFC North, like that's, that's a hard start to the, to the season, especially when you look to see, you know, Pittsburgh's got quite the, the defensive front that's coming at you. But I think once they establish that chemistry and once the same quarterback is playing, I think this is an O-line like that a gap is becoming for a while. It was like only outside zone rushing. You have to run outside the tackles. That's what everyone's doing. Now people are starting to like really kind of come back into center because they're trying to kind of run away from the other interior defenders that are coming. So I think strategically having great guards is a really smart move. You also kind of have to take what the market gives you. And that was a great opportunity for Joe Douglas to get kind of the best fits for the market for the price. And this was a really epic off season. Now, this is a tough start to the schedule, but because of moves like that O-line and this epic draft draft class, it's a this Jets team is a is a much, much improved team over last season. It's that point that you just said has been stressed throughout training camp. We saw it on cut down day. The Jets had seven players on final cuts claimed by other teams. That's the most in the NFL, 11 throughout the course, like a couple weeks before that. That's how we wrap up the second quarter. We're now at halftime. I feel like we, we wasted a lot of our halftime juice, like, catching up in the beginning of the show. There's always so, more. We always have more to BS about. Okay. Come on. There's all right. All right. I, I do have something. Um, this is just a totally random. We have pop chips in the facility recently, and I love pop chips. They They're might right. be. This could be a hot take. My favorite potato chip. Are they a potato chip if they're made of popcorn? Are they actually popcorn? You just blew my mind. 
I think they're made of popcorn. I'm pretty sure pop chips are actually popcorn. We have them no in our way. facility too. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's popcorn. Wait. Like it's like flattened Wait, you, you, out you, popcorn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. My brain yeah. is mush. Your pop That's chips. Popcorn? Can you send us some so that we can try? And I think we need to do a taste <laughs> test to make sure. Yeah, pop yeah. chips, you hear me? That's a pro. <laughs> I'm working with a pro. Cynthia trying to get pop <laughs> chips on brand. I love it. What's your favorite potato chip? Hmm, that is actually a really good question. I know this sounds crazy, but I've been eating those Siete tortilla chips a lot. They're okay. Like I the, do like those. Yeah, they're those really are good. thin and they're awesome. Yeah. And you can get so like the dip to chip ratio is mm. really, really good on that. So like, yeah. you get all the guac. That's how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you put jalapeno in your guac? Yes, mostly. Okay. I, it depends okay. on like if someone's got a good like guac recipe and it doesn't have jalapenos, I'm not going to force it. Right. I'm, I'm going right. to let you do your own guac thing. Like show, show me what you got. But if I'm making it at home, it'll have jalapeno in it. You know, because this is like halftime in the podcast, I'm just imagining yeah. football players crushing guacamole like in the locker room between quarters. And that cannot be good. That, that I, wouldn't be no, good for them. No, no. I, here's what I'm going to tell you. Fun fact. SoFi doesn't have, so the stadium out here, obviously, yeah. Super Bowl was. Not my favorite food. I am okay. a connoisseur of food at stadiums. If you're going to go to one non-Jets home game, I might make it Vegas. I mean, whenever that happens, right? Because of course. that stadium, the food there, you can eat your way through. Like, like Vegas has like a lot of like great restaurants. So like there's little outposts at there. Mm-hmm. I probably, at the East West Shrine Bowl, I probably ate, I don't know, like 7,000 calories because <laughs> it was just so many good options. <laughs> Incredible. Like that's the away game you want to go to. That's the okay. one. Save your yeah, money, I- whatever it is. That's the one. Okay. Vegas. Got it. That that sounds – I'm excited when the Jets play Vegas for, one, to see the stadium, two, for that, and the food, of course. You know, I was I was surprised by the Houston Texans spread last year in Houston. It was really good. They had a lot of options, and I'm a big, like, if you're working in the press box, you need some oh, kind yeah. of, like, finger food, like like M&Ms or, like, peanuts or something like that. If you don't have that, I'm, like, a, I'm a little upset because now I'm forking knife, I'm chewing, I'm typing, I'm, I'm a wreck. Mm-hmm. You give me M&M's and peanuts, I'm good for four hours, and I'll see you on the other side. That's how I feel, and I, I stand I by I believe peanut, M- peanut M&M's, I think, are like the original protein bar. That's my yeah. hot take. Okay, that, that, the original I, protein bar. Uh, that's what bar. I usually like subsist on for the combine is peanut M&M's because I don't trust <laughs> okay. a lot of the food there. Okay, that was a great halftime. You're right. <laughs> we always have some, something good to talk about. So – now let's move on to, I guess, really how you stop Lamar Jackson, actually, right? Like we talked about, if you run the ball, you're able to run the ball, that's that's great. But you still have to defend Lamar Jackson when he's on the field. And the two premium positions, cornerback, pass rusher, the Jets drafted at both of those, Sauce Gardner, number four overall, Jermaine Johnson, number 26 overall, not to mention the re-addition of Carl Lawson, who's going to make his season debut, his Jets debut on Sunday, Let's start with the pass rush because wait, you got to contain Lamar. Wait, yeah, Jack. we can start with the pass yeah. rush, but I have a okay. question about Carl Lawson. Okay. Did anyone me, ask on. him? I haven't seen any presser on this one, but did anyone ask him if his mother was on a show about matchmakers? Whoa, no. I'm pretty sure. No. I think okay. so. I, 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 my guilty pleasure is like sometimes I watch Bravo, and I believe <laughs> she was on. I believe she was on a show about matchmakers. Okay. What what is what is her name? Do you remember? Great question. I will Google it and find out for you. But okay. I remember because because I 
I'm gonna be honest with you. Most of the time, I only watch it because my I trade with my girlfriends. They must watch yeah. football with me, and I will oh, watch okay. terrible Bravo shows with them. So I only half paid attention, and then I'm pretty sure they that she said her son was Carl Laws, and I rewound it a couple of times. Okay. All right. This is going to be an open locker room conversation when I go down there. I, I got to ask wow. him now. We got to know. We got to know Google the answer. This. I got to Google so, this. We do. We do. Uh, you'll tell me the name. I'll get the answer this time yeah. next week. Boom. It'll yeah. be on Spotify, YouTube, wherever Perfect. you want to find your podcast. With that being said, Jermaine Johnson added to the fold. Jacob Martin added to the fold. Carl Lawson. I mean, this Jets defensive line is vast improved, but stopping Lamar Jackson, is it more you got to contain him or is it you just got to bring him down? You know, it's the answer is like always both because if you ha if you give him enough time, right? Like extending plays is a like Lamar Jackson way, right? And not the same way that like a Zach Wilson except that Lamar Jackson's like he's gonna just run, like he doesn't. He's like this is not there. You're gonna run. So having those corners and the and the defensive backs really create like no opportunities for someone to be open for him to pass to then you're going to force him to run. Well, then that happens. And then, you know, it's all hands on deck from that defensive front to make sure that you contain him. So it's, it's kind of both. They work together really importantly. Jermaine Johnson, obviously very talented player, transferred a couple times. What are your thoughts on him as a rookie with the green and white? So let's go through his stats from last season. Last year, 12 sacks led the ACC, 10 tackles for loss. That, and he was, by the way, his fourth in the power five in sacks. So, you know, this guy knows how to bring the heat. So it's especially when you have, you know, a lot of different places along that defensive front that pressure could come from. I don't think passing, straight passing is going to be like if, if Lamar Jackson were a pocket passer, we would be talking about pressures a little bit more. But that's not his like main thing, right? Like he does do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's not the, that's not the, you know, his bread and butter is just like, where's the pocket? You know, like, move it around. Like, where are we where are we going this where are we going this play? Yeah, I'm going to need your help on something because this Jets defensive line is the strength of the team for sure, and I'm not quite sure what to make out of the Ravens' offensive line. Ronnie Stanley recently just started practicing, coming back into individual drills. As the time we're recording, we don't know if he's really going to play. John Harbaugh's like it's kind of up to Ronnie, and Ronnie I don't think has said anything. Hasn't played then, in a while either. It's not right, like he's like right. yeah. Yeah, it, it's a great point. So it, so I don't really know what to make out of the team or the offensive line because we know what Morgan Moses is. He was a Jet last year, very talented player. Tyler Linderbaum, talented Iowa center. He missed some time in the preseason. Like, hey, Do you think that this is potentially an advantage for the Jets? And, or do you think that people are potentially overlooking the health of the Ravens? Or un, like, are people... The way people view the Ravens' offensive line, at least I do, I'm like, oh, it's kind of banged up, not really sure what to expect. Is this an advantage for the Jets, or do you think that the Ravens' offensive line is just going to come out, they're going to do what they do best because Lamar kind of erases any issues they may have? The answer is kind of both. Like, I think it's an advantage for the Jets, but the problem is is we don't know the reality, right? Like, the like, and you know who else doesn't know the reality? The Jets. So at the at once the whistle blows and we'll kind of have to see how it goes. Yes, this Jets defensive line is going to be an advantage in every game. It is it is the strength of the team. It's a great opportunity for the Jets to really get after quarterbacks. There's two problems here. One, we don't know what we're looking at. Like like I said, Ronnie Stanley hasn't even played like and is he okay? Like I have no idea. I literally have no idea, you know, and and then of course Lamar Jackson does erase some of the problems that a, a leakier O-line could have. So the answer is kind of all of it, but I think that the Jets just would, you know, the strategy should be like, 
Like this is our strength. This is where iron versus iron, right? Iron sharpens iron. Go yeah. right at Lamar Jackson because you got you can't. He's gonna run on you no matter what, right? Even if the O line was not there, he would just somehow take <laughs> off. So I, I think it, at the end of the day, it's it's we don't know, but nobody knows, and the Jets do have an advantage because this just is the strength of their team. Yeah, I'm excited to see this Jets defensive line in action, specifically Carl Lawson. I mean, this was a big ticket free agent last year. He was having a fantastic training camp when he got hurt. And then, obviously, he misses the year. Now he's set to play. But you brought it up. The pass and the rush, like the pass coverage and the rush, work hand-in-hand. The Jets overhauled their secondary, specifically at corner. You think about Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles were the starters week one last year. This year, you're looking at DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, who's obviously a very skilled, highly touted prospect what was your take on Sauce coming out of the draft? And obviously the reviews so far have all been positive for the number four overall pick. So I did like a, before anyone was drafted, I did like a pairing of who might mm-hmm. fit where best. And I got Sauce Gardner right as a Jet, which is pretty fun because it's every once in a while, it's nice to be right, you know? But <laughs> my favorite stat about him, my favorite thing about him is that in his entire career at Cincinnati, his entire one, do you want me to put on him? Uh, I, I, based on your tone, yeah, I'm going to say it's the monocle or the goose egg. Yeah. Zero. Zero. That's pretty good. You know what the passer rating that opposing quarterbacks had against him was? If it's Wait, a let, monocle. Let's, let's just put it in context. Who cares what the actual okay. number is? But the pass, so if you throw, <laughs> if a quarterback throws a ball into the ground, it's a just under 40. It's like 39.6 is the passer rating you get. Do you know, that's if you throw the ball into the ground, right? Mm -hmm. His passer rating allowed was under that. So quarterbacks were better off throwing the ball into the ground than they, he's, he's a dirt ball. If you think about it, right? So it's, you know, it's, it's better that they threw it into the dirt than if they try to throw it into his coverage. Like for those of you keeping track at home, it was 31.8 on the NFL passer rating scale. That is less like almost 10 passer rating points less than if they just threw him to the ground. Yeah. I love that. That's so fun. Yeah, it's incredible. And he's been very consistent throughout camp. I mean, it, I'm pretty sure he was not – PFF put out a stout that he was not targeted in the preseason. And not to say that he's not going to be targeted come week one. Like, of course. He'll be, he'll be targeted. But it, yeah. it'll happen. I mean, he still is a rookie. Like, you know, like – it, and, and if he gives up a touchdown, it's going to be okay because it's, it's all how you rebound, right? Like – Right. You know, Pat Sertan, who was largely – go re- rewind a year ago. He comes from NFL pedigree. He was largely regarded as – at least it was either him or J.C. Horn that everyone thought was that. He gave up a touchdown in his first game, and you know what happened? He came back the next game, and boom, 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 hammered it. This year he's going to be one of the top corners in the entire league. So it's okay if he gives up one. It, like, we're, like we're, we got to let we got to let him – you know, you got, he has to – what. Sa- do sauces marinate? Do sauces simmer? Yeah. Do sa- yeah no, they, he's got, they, they you, could you – know, no, that was good. That was well done. Good execution. You're in mid-season form. I know you're like in mid-move and yeah, and everything, but you're you're coming with the heat. I love it. You know, a good. I want to have a sauce. I want some of that sauce sauce. Like that's the yeah. best name for sauce I've ever. <laughs> like sauce sauce, please. We could use like pop think... chips for the sauce sauce. You know. Mm, you had to bring up the pop <laughs> chips again. Dip the you, pop you chips really blew in the my sauce mind. sauce. <laughs> I think I think what we should do is we should have you get a bottle of sauce sauce. I'll get one. We'll try it at the same time on the podcast. 
This is the best idea ever. I love it. <laughs> I, I need to know what sauce sauce tastes like. Yes, you sauce asked, sauce we do. better be a little spicy. It, oh, Cynthia, it has to be a little spicy, right? It has right? to be, right? I, I think all good <laughs> sauces have to have a little spice. That's just my opinion. Hold me to it. I'm with you. Hate me for I'm it, whatever. So that was the third quarter. Uh, one thing, actually, before we close the door on the third quarter, Ravens receivers look a little different without Hollywood Brown. We talked about that. Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, we'll see what happens. That's all I want to say about that. This is how we're going to wrap up the podcast, quarter number four. It's crunch time. This is actually kind of a light topic, though. You mentioned it about the schedule. The Jets' schedule really starts out difficult and then lightens up and as of now, this is what we know. Joe Flacco going to see at least three games based on what Robert Sala said. Zach Wilson could play against Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh week four. Could be Joe Flacco. We don't know yet. But what is, what is your overall thought on this Jets schedule, the way it's laid out? Make it to the end. If you look at the four-game stretch to end the season, based on last year's win percentage, by the way, it's Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle, and Miami. Their win percentage was 0.331, so 33.1%, a third of their games. That's it. And I think it's fun to note, when I look at these teams, Seattle didn't get any better. They do not have Russell Wilson at their quarterback anymore. Maybe Miami at that point in the table, that Miami did get better as a, as a team overall, but perhaps by week 18, that will be a different, they'll, they'll, have a, they'll have a different strategy, right? So I think just make it through to the hard part to begin. This is a brutally tough opening schedule but then it, it gets a lot better like especially post thanksgiving like after thanksgiving we're going to be having like a lot more fun to talk about because not only is the schedule lighting up a bit but those rookies will have gotten enough reps and enough of that you know that that good like those good being able to visualize what's going on across the right. field from them and we'll be able to see who they really are and this is a team i think the win total could surprise that's all i have okay. to say about that mm -hmm. all right wow yeah cliffhanger you got to come for episode two i love it um obviously every week you have to come not just episode two yeah that's true you got lots that's of true. episodes that's true but you, you you hook them on two and then they're and then they're on from two for the rest but exactly. i have great news for you producer our producer matt sitkoff hit me with a little team's message and it says this football season everything's better with sauce for a limited time try sauce sauces sauce a smoky sweet and spicy Barbecue sauce inspired by Sauce Gardner. Those are like my three favorite things. I don't even know how Smoky, you can combine sweet, all that. and spice. I, I got to try it. I got to know. I want to know. I have yeah, to know I, now. And you mentioned Thanksgiving, how the schedule gets better. My first thought was, do you put sauce's sauce on turkey? Whoa. Whoa. That might, be, that might be sacrilegious. Situation. Yeah. No, no. As a leftover situation, you can totally do that. Oh, that's a great point. Like on a sandwich, like like a sauce is sauce leftover turkey sandwich. Exactly. Exactly. I gotta More importantly, in terms of sauce, when are we? When are you going to start wearing your grills? Like you know, like the the diamonds in your teeth. You want? Are you going to wear that next week? I heard I mean, that was a part of your move. I'm gonna be honest with you. People ask me what my best feature is, and honestly, I think it's my teeth. So wow. I don't know if I would put a grill on them because I, <laughs> I, you know, got to let these things shine on their own. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like now I'm, I'm like trying to stare in the camera and, and look at your teeth, but mm -hmm. you know what? Mm -hmm. That, that'll have to be for another time because we're out of time. 
And that's how we wrap up the first episode of the Game Preview Podcast. Like I said, we're back. Jets-Ravens, week one, Sunday, September 11th. And then, of course, we'll be back every week. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, NewYorkJets.com, wherever you want to find your favorite podcast. And just one more thing. Do you have any closing thoughts before we uh, let the listeners go here? You know, I think that I'm pretty excited. I want to try to make it to a game this season. So, yeah. you know, that's, I'm, I'm really going to try. Because now that the world has opened up, I really miss – I haven't been out to New York, so i got to come see a game. Like I think one, game. you absolutely have to see a game. Two, then we're gonna we can do the podcast in person potentially. Three, it'll be our second in real life meeting. So like that sounds like a win 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 to me. Three wins, just like smoky, sweet, and spicy. <laughs> oh, that is the best way to end episode one of the podcast. Again, make sure to check us out: Spotify, YouTube, NewYorkJets.com, iHeartRadio app, Apple Music, wherever you want to find your podcast. East Coast. West Coast, whatever you want, we got it covered. Cynthia, we'll see you next week, and good luck with the move. Oh, can you come do it for me? (laughs) Help. Help. (laughs)